you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Good morning to talk about football. Good morning, football. Welcome inside. Presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky live in New York City. It's Wednesday, January 18th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. That's Peter Schrager across the table from me. And we got our double Super Bowl champions, Jason McCourty and Sean O'Hara. Eight teams, four games, two days. That's the road to Super Bowl 57. It continues this weekend with divisional playoffs presented by Intuit TurboTax. Games are Saturday and Sunday, two games apiece. You can visit NFL.com slash schedule for the full schedule. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags riding high after their epic, wild, wild card comeback. A lot of adjectives on that one. But now they turn their attention to the one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs, who they lost to in Week 10 despite a gritty performance by Lawrence in that game. So how is the quarterback feeling about a return trip to Arrowhead? I mean, Week 10 seems so long ago. I mean, it I guess it was 10 weeks ago. So I think, speaking of the team, I think we're in a really good spot. We have a lot of confidence. Played a lot of football since then. We've won a lot of games since then. We left a lot on the table. And you can say that every game, especially when you don't win them. But, you know, I really just feel like we left a lot out there. And as the game went on, I thought we played better offensively. But, you know, when you're playing a team like them that has a great offense, a high-powered offense that can, that can score a lot of points. And, you know, even if, if your defense is playing well, you got to score to beat guys like this, especially a guy like Patrick over there. So, you know, you're aware of that. And there's definitely some stuff we left out there and excited to get, you know, get another opportunity. It's going to be fun. That's what you have, Trevor. You have another opportunity on your hands. But I don't know how much fun it's going to be as you are staring down the barrel at the business end of a rowdy Arrowhead Stadium and one Patrick Mahomes who has just been waiting in the wings for playoffs to start for the Chiefs. How can the Jaguars leave Kansas City with a win, Peter? What do they have to execute to get the job? You know what? Yesterday I came on the show and I said the NFC logos in the playoffs remaining are like traditional mm-hmm. blue blood franchise. You got the 49ers and the Cowboys, which are like historic franchises. You got the Giants and Eagles. Mm-hmm. The AFC, look at the four quarterbacks we got in the <laughs> AFC. Could you have written it any better if you're the NFL to get Trevor Lawrence, the next guy, versus Patrick Mahomes, the guy with the torch, and then Josh Allen and Joe Burrow right there? We're talking logos on one end and then the quarterback story on the other end. And to me, I look at one of those other quarterbacks. I look at what Joe Burrow did last year going into Arrowhead in a big spot as a huge underdog and saying, you know what? I'm that dude. I'm the number one overall pick. I've played in big college games before. 
I'm not scared of this Arrowhead crowd. Jaguars can win this game in Kansas City if they are completely unintimidated mm -hmm. by the situation. I think you look down this Jaguars roster, they're all getting better. There's a lot of guys who have been written off and are coming back and they're making their plays, whether it be Evan Ingram or Zay Jones, or you go right down the list. And then there's that quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. I watched Joe Burrow go into Arrowhead last year, down 21 to three and get his guys back together and do it. I watched Trevor Lawrence on, on Saturday night be down 27 points and find a way to get his guys to believe that we can do this. Hey. We know Andy and Doug have a long history, and we'll get into it this week, trust me, and I'm sure we might get into it this segment. <laughs> Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback for Andy Reid. He was a starting quarterback for Andy Reid. Then he was a coach under Andy Reid. This team is not going to be outcoached necessarily on Saturday afternoon, but they might be outwitted, and they might be intimidated, and they might just the moment might just be too big. If they can go in there with the focus of, don't let the surroundings, don't let them, bet Melissa Etheridge banging a drum totally <laughs> psych you out. Don't let Paul Rudd in like a, a Colquitt jersey freak you out. Eric Stone Street. Eric Stone Street coming out and doing With his Randy Reid. Like, don't let that stuff seep in. It's the best crowd you can imagine on a Saturday afternoon. They're going to be ready to go and they're going to be ready to scare the Jaguars. If they can stay in their pocket and do what Burrow did last year and just focus on the task at hand, they've got a shot in this thing. But if the moment's too big, the moment's too big. Can't let it happen. Yeah, don't be scared of Rob Riggle either when he comes out and he goes, pow, pow! <laughs> he might. Because right? the Chiefs fans, they come out in, in, in swarms. You bring up the Doug Peterson connection with Andy Reid and, and look, the similarities and the offensive and, and the concepts. You know, you say he's not going to be outcoached. I look at this game, how, how do the Jaguars beat the Chiefs? It's gas pedal. And Doug Peterson's been there before. Like, I go back to when the Eagles played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Look, Phil, that's how Philly Special was born. And it was fourth down. It was, hey, you want to go for it? So it's him going to Trevor Lawrence like, look, we are all gas pedal. Like, we're not going to win this game kicking field goals. When we get down the red zone, like, just consider it four down territory. We're going for it. There's going to be a moment in this game where Doug's going to have to make that decision. It's probably going to be early on. Hey, fourth down, do I go for it? Do I settle for the field goal? And some of those plays early on can really dictate how that game ends up unfolding. I expect Doug Peterson to be all gas pedal, and I expect him to pull out all the tricks, the gadgets. And uh, some How about the Jaguars come out and they do the, the snow globe, the ring oh, around the rosy? No. Wouldn't that be something coming to Arrowhead first drive? Yeah. <laughs> They're doing it, and Peterson looks over to Reed and goes, what's up, bro? Yeah, what's yeah. Up? It's yeah. only yeah. cool if they win. I got, that yeah. <laughs> I got that in my bag. Just two, two great offers offensive minds and getting an opportunity to see these two guys face off is going to be so much fun. And as I look at this Jacksonville Jaguars team, they're going to have to score points to keep up with Kansas City. And they played them and they played them tough in that game that Trevor Lawrence is alluding to that was so long ago. And they actually won the turnover battle. They had three turnovers from Kansas City and didn't turn the ball over themselves. But they only scored 17 points. They're going to have to block Chris Jones up front who has 15 and a half sacks. Can't let him wreck the game. And for Jacksonville on the back end, they're going against Patrick Mahomes. Homes, and they have a young secondary that has played really well. And I know they gave up points to the Chargers, but a lot of that was in the first half when your offense turns the ball over five different times and you're giving the opponent the ball in scoring territory. But you look at them and they have young guys and Tyson Campbell on the outside and Darius Williams. These guys can cover. and You're going to have to do that because Kansas City is throwing all their weapons at you. The linebacker position, Aluakon, who has a ton of tackles, mm -hmm. and Lloyd, you have Travis Kelsey this week. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to do more than just tackle ball carriers because he's running routes all over you. So to get into the X's and O's, 
Jacksonville, put up points. You have to put up points to stay in the game with Kansas City. You mentioned Joe Burrow. They had an offense. They had weapons. He went in there, went toe-to-toe with them. They're going to have to do the same this weekend. Arrowhead's a really special place to play a game, especially if you play for the Chiefs. It's a real nasty place to play if you got to go in in the postseason. Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence can't turn the ball over three times in the first half. If you do it, you're going to get down 27-0, and you are not coming back against the Chiefs in Arrowhead if that happens. I'm sorry. It's just that, to me, I find one of the few truths in the NFL. It's That is an impossible place to come back from. They will not allow you to hear your own thoughts if you are down 27-0. If you hand the ball back to their team three times in the first half, the last two games we've seen the Jags have been really fun. They've been a thriller. It was a win-and-in game against the Titans. It was Kind of ugly, but they did it. We felt great for them. They play their way into the playoffs. And then what happened? Go down at halftime against the Chargers. But guess what? Both those games are at home. The Jags fans, they're at home. They're like, guys, we're good. Let's stay quiet. Let's keep the offense calm. You cannot go to Arrowhead and get down. If you have any chance of doing this, Jags, you got to play even. you got to play nasty. To, to Jason's point, three turnovers, that seems to be the special number. If you were able to do that in the regular seasons against the Chiefs, maybe try to do it again, but you certainly can't cough that up yourselves when you're on the road. Yeah, Jamie, that's such a big point. And, and especially you're going up against basically the Goliath of the playoffs, or the yeah. divisional yeah. round, right? Patrick Mahomes is undefeated. He's 4-0 in mm-hmm. divisional playoff games. Has yet to throw an interception. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you, you're going up against a guy who's just not going to yep. give it away, you yeah. certainly can't do you that. You bring up a good point of now going on the road. And Jacksonville ended their season basically playing playoff games. And two of the ones towards the end of the season that they played on the road was at the New York Jets and at the Houston Texans. That's not the no, same not environment. The same. Uh, to your, to your point, point, that they're going to face They had that great head. comeback against the Ravens. It was at home. Mm-hmm. They had that great mm-hmm. comeback against the Cowboys. Cowboys. It was at home. home. They beat Tennessee in Week 18. It was at home. They beat the Chargers mm-hmm. in the wild card. It was at home. Going into Arrowhead is a different beast. Yeah, such a good point. All right, rap sheet. What's happening? We just talked Jags, Chargers. Let's hang with the Chargers as we check in with Ian Rappaport. They went up 27-0 on the Jags late in the second quarter. The Bolts managed to only put up three points in that dramatic collapse. What changes have the Chargers made since then? Significant changes for the Los Angeles Chargers, and you're right. In that second half, couldn't run the ball at all, couldn't stay on the field, couldn't get first downs when they needed to, couldn't really execute the offense. And the identity of the offense was really kind of a mystery all year, and now there has been two people to basically take the blame for that. Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for the last two years for Brandon Staley, and the Los Angeles Chargers has been fired. Pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach Shane Day fired as well. So two big openings for the Chargers. Brandon Staley's job status never really in doubt. Didn't seem to be any question there, but certainly on his staff, there were some questions. Now Lombardi is out, and I would say prime offensive coordinator opening. You think they'll get some coordinator who might want to work with Justin Herbert? I think they might have a pretty long list there. Obviously, we will be following that one. Just like we will be following Sean Payton, the most intriguing, I would say, head coaching candidate. He met with the Denver Broncos last night. Uh, that was one. That was his second, I would say, full interview with an NFL team in this cycle. The Houston Texans went the night before that. He's got the Carolina Panthers and owner Dave Tepper in New York later this week. Still remains to be seen whether or not Payton will take one. I know there is interest from his end. But will he leave the Fox booth and give up hanging out with Schrager to just be an NFL coach again? Obviously, time will tell, but a very important decision looming. Listen, I know um, there are heavy terms that it would take for uh, the New Orleans Saints to give up Sean Payton, but 
what he would have to give up sitting next to Peter Schrager yeah, every right. week on the Fox yeah. pregame show. More than a one. That might be the heaviest mm -hmm. emotional lift. I would never More than a one. It. Thank you, Ian. Would I never would never do, do it. it. Real quick, it's I'm an commas. infinite amount of first-round draft. As much as we joke about it, and Ian's on here, like, I'll bring it in. Like, I'm curious, and I, I'm saying, I'm really honestly curious. Do the Saints ask for more from Carolina than they would from Denver or Houston because they're division rivals? Like, yeah. all that stuff is so intriguing. Oh, yeah. Can they change the terms yeah, it's like that? Yes, of course they can the change fly. the terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. For Denver, it's this. Yeah. So, but for Carolina, it's this. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And from my understanding, Carolina has gone into this knowing that the Saints are going to charge them more for Sean Payton. And that makes sense because if you're the Saints and you don't want to see Sean Payton twice a year, you got to make someone pay for it. That really is like the ultimate leverage for Mickey Loomis. I don't know if he's going to Carolina, but if he does, it's going to be very expensive. That said, he's a very good coach, so I would imagine he'd be worth any of those prices. It's time for What's Your Beef, presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. I have a little bit of a story. I was watching the game on Saturday afternoon uh, between the 49ers and the Seahawks, and 49ers drive down, they score a touchdown. It's Chris McCaffrey, 68-yard run, then they punch it in for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, naive little me who enjoys watching football on a Saturday afternoon decides to tweet, like, wow, how is Brock Purdy doing this? And I subsequently lost my head by the Twitter followers that were like, what are you saying? That wasn't him. He's so basic. He's simple. He's got Hall of Famers he's throwing to. He's got a Hall of Fame coach. All his coach does is throw. Wow, sorry. Okay, so 49ers win. They put up 500 yards of offense, and Brock Purdy has a hell of a second half. How am I allowed to tweet that Brock Purdy is good? I'm so sick of this. I'm sick of the Brock Purdy is good, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, but he's got, why can't it just be Brock Purdy is good, period? Why do we have to constantly be moving the goalposts on this guy? Why is it like, oh, it was his home, his first home start against Tom Brady? Tampa Bay's not that good. His first road start, he won that. Well, Seattle's not that good. Well, his first playoff win, uh, he didn't have a good first half. No, no, no. He can just be good, period. I'm sick and tired of hearing this. It's not like he's it's tennis, like Rafael Nadal lost today. He's an individual sport <laughs> player. That's on Rafa. That's not on his strings or his racket or his coach or the ground. It's on Rafa. Tom Brady, he didn't have a great season. The team wasn't that great. They were injured. The offensive line struggled. This guy is good on a good team. Both can exist. It doesn't have to be he's only good because he has good players. He's just good, period. Stop knocking the guy. Sick of it. He's not simple. He's not basic. That take isn't simple. It's not basic anymore. Brock Purdy's good, period. That's it. That's my beef. I, I just got my head bit off by people for saying that he was good just because on one touchdown drive, I did acknowledge the fact that Christian McCaffrey went 68 yards first. <laughs> I am sorry. Then let's talk about the second half, and then people were all up in arms about him. What do you guys think? Do you ever get this feedback? It's, it, people want to see the other shoe to drop because historically the other shoe always drops. It yeah. hasn't yet with Purdy. Right. It hasn't dropped yet. You are right on. He is playing not only good, he's playing great. Yes. Yeah. He made plays where he had to move around the pocket, get people open. There was a pass to Brandon Ayuk that he dropped. Oh, that was incredible. That was mm. Mahomes. We're going to talk about these playoff teams. That's my beef. Good beef. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
it's time for Will Selva out on the West Coast. He's going to roll us through a couple of news stories and then tee us up for a fascinating conversation yeah. on the back end. What's up, Will? Oh, yes. I can't wait for that conversation. No, you guys can't either, Jamie. I will do my obligation right now and do the news, starting with Detroit, a team that we certainly, at least from afar, liked what they were building, liked what they were doing. Their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, became a real hot coaching candidate that was mentioned a lot in these vacancies. He was scheduled to interview with the Panthers today after already interviewing with the Colts and the Texans, but now he's telling teams, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. NFL Network insider Tom Palacero reporting Johnson has informed interested clubs that he will remain on Dan Campbell's staff. Tom adding that Johnson is of the belief that something special is being built in Detroit and he wants to see it through. In his first year in the Motor City, Detroit's offense finished third in total yards, up from 22nd the season before. Down in Tampa... Tom Brady's future with the Bucks up in the air, as is that of offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Head coach Todd Bowles saying there hasn't been any decision made on Leftwich's status and that he'll meet with the staff at the end of the week. The Bucks were 25th in points per game this season after finishing second in 2021. The season in Green Bay didn't go as Aaron Rodgers and the Pack had hoped, missing the playoffs for the first time since 2018. Now, much like Tom Brady's future in Tampa, Rodgers' career with the Packers in limbo. Here's what he had to say on the Pat McAfee Show on Tuesday. We had all the conversations like we wanted to have about football for now. You know, they're not pressing for any type of specific answer, and I'm not mentally or emotionally at that point to give one. Do I still think I can play? Of course. Of course. Can I play at a high level? Yeah. The highest. I think I can win MVP again. The right situation. Right situation? Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. Rogers coming off a season where he had his second lowest passer rating since 2006, which was his second year in the league. But it sounds like he has a lot in the tank. It's just a matter of whether he's going to be in Green Bay or somewhere else. Either way, I'm just glad as a show, Jamie and guys will just casually touch upon it in the offseason, not really give mm. it a lot of attention, you know, just <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe occasional talks about it. You know just tell the water. We'll just leave yeah. only a little bit of time in the show. He says one thing. We yeah. clear out an entire block pertaining to a team that's still in the playoffs to talk about this. No, we have to. Because it's interesting. Mm -hmm. What do we think of Rodgers saying not only is that he needs the right situation, whether that be in Green Bay or somewhere else, but also that he can win another MVP. Jason, what do you think about this? As I listen to him talk, and I know everybody's saying, like, oh, do you think he can still play at a high level and MVP and is that there? The most important thing or what stuck out to me the most was, is it in Green Bay? I don't know. Like, for Green Bay fans, do you want Aaron Rodgers back? Do you think he's the answer? Are you like, hey, let's get his cap, get that off, and let's go add good players and see what we can do? Aaron Rodgers is still a very good quarterback. Can he still win an MVP? I have no reason to doubt that if he's in the right situation with a ton of weapons around him. We watched Tom Brady in 2019 where he loses his last game with the New England Patriots, throws an interception to Logan Ryan, and then he goes to Tampa Bay, a team that hadn't been in the playoffs forever, but a ton of weapons around him and a good defense for Aaron Rodgers. If he's not in Green Bay next year and he joins a team with some really good receivers on the outside, good coaching and a defense, I have no reason to believe that he can't play at an extremely high level and be right amongst the top quarterbacks in the NFL.
one of the best quarterbacks I've, I've ever seen play live in person and on TV. Uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, if he pulled his wallet out right now, I would say bad MFR on it. Right <laughs> um, I, I, I think the thing that I, I just, I have a, I wince when I hear that interview is, yeah, I think I can come back and win an MVP. No. I want to win a Lombardi. Like, yeah. like that's the thing that I wince at is, uh, like, uh, like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he, he's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks who have ever played this game. He has made Packers fans forget about Brett Favre respectfully, but when you look at what he's done, it's unbelievable. This last season was an anomaly to me. Yeah, think about this. Aaron Rodgers did not throw for 300 yards one time this entire season. Hmm. Not once. That, that's pretty remarkable And when you think about what he has done throughout his career. But to me, I, I think that's a missed opportunity. MVPs are great. That's awesome. But I've never heard a quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback, talk about, yeah, I really love winning an MVP. No, it's all about the, the trophy, the team, the Lombardi. You play for the Packers. And Lombardi's name is on that trophy. It's title town. It's not MVP mm. town. Good point. You know, it's last year at this time, it was a fascinating topic in that Aaron Rodgers was coming off an MVP season and the Packers just – came up just short, losing to that um, 49ers team in the divisional round at home, and they were the number one seed and all this stuff. I feel like this doesn't have the same teeth in it that it might have had last year. You know, he got the monster contract, he comes back, and, like, to hear that now, it's, okay, like, if he goes to Vegas, like, all right, so then there's, okay, well, what's Lamar doing? Or what's Brady doing? Like, I was fixated on this last year. I thought it was the most fascinating story in football. This is a team that had eight wins, missed the playoffs, and their quarterback's 38 years old and makes a billion dollars. Like, if he goes somewhere else, he goes somewhere else, and we'll talk about him there, and he can bring it back. And maybe he and Devontae are in Vegas, and that's an awesome story, and we can do that. But, like, right now, with the playoffs going on, and all right, let's back burner that a little bit because I think the Lamar situation's fascinating. Yeah. The Brady situation's fascinating. I think where Sean Payton goes is fascinating. I think where the Rams do with their roster right now is fascinating. Like, it's a storyline, mm -hmm. but um, I don't think it's the fixation it might have been maybe a year ago today. Peter, I'm right there with you. Uh, it definitely has a, yeah, just let us know when it's done because um, the obsession there, and I am absolutely with you, Sean, on the, if Tom Brady said all I want to do is win an MVP next year, people would be up in arms. Uh, just weird, strange, yeah. like, goal setting in the offseason. I think he said, I can win the MVP. I don't think he said all I want to do. It Just in his right. defense. Right, he didn't say that. But if, I can't, if, okay, if it's plays, easy to if, say I can he, go on and lead a team to a Lombardi. If he's an MVP, he's done everything in his power to win in Lombardi. If you're the mm. MVP in the league, you are the best player. If Patrick Mahomes wins MVP this year, that means throughout the season, he did everything he can to put his team in the best possible position to win a Lombardi. There's more variables and assets that have to help win a Lombardi. You just said he didn't throw for 300 yards. A lot of that was he was handing the ball off to the running backs because that was the strength of the team. That's making a sacrifice it's, to win a Lombardi. It's a huge story, Rodgers and his future. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious in the commercial we could talk about it, could bring it back. Yeah. Is it a bigger story than Brady or Lamar? Yeah. And last year, it was all Rodgers. Yeah. I do this podcast <laughs> called The Season with Peter Schrager. I take a lot of pride in it. I actually love doing it. It's with iHeartRadio and the NFL Network and get a chance to speak with current coaches, current GMs. And in this week's episode, I spoke with a two-time Super Bowl champion, a Walter Payton Man of the Year, and a real friend of mine and the show, Chris Long. Of course, we talked about the latest stuff in the NFL, and he had a really interesting take on Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. Take a listen right out of the gates. 
I said that I think you could see Lamar in Miami before it's all said and done, which I think would be a lot of fun. Okay, so like I'm saying that to say it's interesting when you look at certain teams that might be suitors for Lamar because I do think it's he's played his last game in Baltimore. I mean, you really do, do you don't I, think that every bridge has been burned as a player? Like once you go through this stuff publicly, it's that's that. I, th- I think it's I think the bridge was quietly burning for a long time, you know. But then this was like I I do think he was hurt. Obviously, he was hurt. I think we've been dealing in a lot of hypotheticals. Hey, we don't know how hurt he is. Some of the quotes after the game were like, Lamar's walking around 50%. He's limping around the facility. I also think after their their season finale game against the Bengals, that reading the quotes from the players, it was pretty telling. Isaiah likely had a quote that was like, Lamar will always be family. Mm. Like, what does that mean? That's a rookie in the fourth round, like, who just got to know him. Like, Opening already his got his back. Though. Yeah, he's already got his back. He's got his back, but he's always going to be family, sounds like. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Use your QR code. Take your camera out on your phone. Do it right there. We have a great conversation about Lamar. We also talk about why my Cliff Kingsbury to Thailand story took off. And Chris kind of goes into the NFL industrial complex about how everyone's so supposed to do it one way. So anytime anyone goes outside the box, as he has done with his post-playing career, people react in a different way. But let's get back to Lamar. Lots to unpack there. But the one thing that Chris Long said that I thought really resonated me with was that the bridges have been burned between Lamar. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Jason, do you believe that like this could be the last time we see Lamar Jackson in a Ravens jersey? Yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, he's he's going to be a free agent. And yes, I know they have the franchise tag that they can place on him. And from my own opinion, I'm looking at this Baltimore Ravens franchise. I'm like, there's no way you let Lamar Jackson walk out the door. But what we just watched from the outside unfold over the past month, the change in the way that the organization has talked about his injury, him feeling the need to go and tweet about his injury, the different things that players have said. There's been so much drama in and then what has changed from this past offseason where they weren't able to get a deal done that now we believe this offseason they're going to get a deal done? Lamar went out there. He played knowing he didn't have that security. So I, I'm, I, I'm in agreement with Chris Long. I do think this could be the last time that we see Lamar in that Baltimore Ravens jersey. And I kind of hope so. We do really? show all offseason where we're talking about things. Lamar as a free agent is a lot of fun. It's interesting. I said yesterday that the Jets should go all in. The amount of tweets I had for and against it, the debate was just a ton of fun. Lamar Jackson is an exciting football player, and I think he can change a franchise around. So Robert Griffin came out yesterday and said, um, you know, not only was he hurt, but the reason he didn't travel was he was sick. We haven't heard this from Lamar. The fact he didn't travel to the playoff game, do you make a big deal out of that? If he was really sick, then no, but... I do think it's a big deal because the week before, the game was in the same location in Cincinnati, and he's on the sideline. And they said during the game, they talked about how helpful he had been for Huntley and for Brown being there as an experienced quarterback. Mm. As a veteran, Sean, I'm sure you too, you've been in a position where you might have been hurt, and you've traveled with the team. It was a year that I was doing the blue surface on the sideline, injured, helping guys out. Lamar Jackson is an experienced quarterback, a former MVP, a leader on that that team, him being there, his presence, his energy is huge for those quarterbacks. And the fact that he wasn't there, I do think is a big deal because they're an organization that obviously travels injured guys. One more, because Huntley had a quote after the game 
Do you think it was the team who told him not to come or it was Lamar saying, I ain't going? If we're reading into quotes like Isaiah Likely's, he'll always be family. Stoop Huntley said it would have been nice if he could have come. Could have come and said, anyways, your parents wouldn't let you go. It'd be cool <laughs> if you could have come outside and play. So There's a couple of wrinkles to, to the, all this, that what you're talking about. And, and to your point, there are times where teams will say, no, you are not coming if mm -hmm. you're injured. Especially because if you have an injured leg, can't you're on the sideline, you can't get out of the way. You yeah. can't protect yourself. Uh, we went through that with Jeremy Shockey when he won a Super Bowl. He was upset he was down the sideline, and it mm -hmm. was because he was injured, and they didn't want something bad to happen. But I also think when you look at John Harbaugh, he's always had a great pulse on his locker room and what's what's best for the team. If Lamar knows there's all this stuff going on, all this drama, and I'm you guys are going to the playoffs, and me being on the sideline is going to be a distraction. If he was on the sideline, every time Snoop Huntley did something wrong or something bad or whatever, it's panning to Lamar. It's taken away from the team. The one thing the I will team doesn't in, know that. But I'm just saying, if, if John Harbaugh and, and talked to Lamar and they had a conversation, it was, look, I want to be there to support my team. But I don't want to be a distraction, and I, I, don't want other, I don't want that to be a distraction for the other quarterbacks yeah. or whatever. You know, they're painting to me on the sideline. I, I think Lamar has always done a good job of making it about the team. Like, Lamar, anytime he talked about it, it was like, look, I'm here to win games. I yeah. want to be ball. It's about football. It's about the team. This isn't my team. This is our team. Yeah. Like, those are all the things that he has said, and I truly think that he believes that. And that's not just speak. That's not just, you know, turning on the, um, the, the, the filter. The thing that I, that I hope for, for Baltimore and for Lamar, I hope he stays. I hope we haven't seen the last of him in a Ravens jersey for a number of reasons. Look, number one, you, you're, they're going to franchise tag you like you have no say in it. But I think his relationship with John Harbaugh is the most crucial piece to this. And, and what they do with the offense, that's TBD. But if he leaves Baltimore, he's just another quarterback to go to another team. How'd it work out for Russell Wilson, right? If you stay in Baltimore, if you find a way to bring that Lombardi home in Baltimore, I feel like he represents Baltimore as a city more than any other player that's ever played for the Ravens, and there's been a lot of stars and a lot of stuff players. That, I hope for his own legacy, I hope that it is a, he's able to find a way to mend those bridges if they are burned. Is that on him or is that are on you, the team? Yeah, are you saying I that there's... it's on both of them. Are you saying there's a knock on quarterbacks that might go to a different place? Because Stafford did it and won. I'm not saying there's a knock. I'm just saying like that it's different for him and his relationship with Baltimore. I'm not not, yeah. not putting that on anybody. Talk about the else. city. Talk about for him and his connection with the city. Yeah. He goes and wins it for somewhere somewhere else. All right, that's great. Yeah. You're, you're, not you're, if he wins it from you're Miami, been, where he's yeah, from. We brought you over there. Look, you win a Super Bowl with another team. It's, it's great. But to your point, Lamar is in a different. You you mentioned that NFL teams like everything in, in order, lined up. Mm -hmm. Dealing with Lamar is not like dealing with other players. He's got a different circle. He's got a different representation. I don't even think he has an agent. No like agent. No. So there, there's different aspects of this that are creating different levels of, yeah. hey, look, the communication's got to be different. So I, I think it's on both sides. It's on Lamar mm -hmm. and it's on the team. But I think John Harbaugh could be the biggest piece in all that. Roquan, agent? No Roquan agent. Smith? No. And they figured it out with him. $100 million? Got a lawyer representing him. Five $100 years, million. $100 million. Okay. But hey, that's a linebacker. A yeah. lot of the frustration for Lamar might be, Okay, here I am looking at this. And you, you, of course, Rashad Bateman goes down. What is the first thing the Ravens do? Trade for a linebacker. Draft. Linebackers. Defense. Ojabo. Like, I, I think there's also some of that stuff. Like, why can't I get those guys? You know, I don't know. That's me, that's me projecting. The decision tree here, I always like to, when we find ourselves kind of like in sticky waters, if you will, muddy waters, I like to go back. Like, where did this thing start, you know, back in August, back last June, when everyone saw the contract conversation looming? And every day we'd come to work here and be like, maybe it'll break today in training camp. Maybe today after practice they'll go up to that office, have a discussion, I'll come back down, and it'll be done. Didn't get done. This game, this the NFL, these meetings, it's, it's 
situation of egos at times. And I don't know, I'm not sure if things have been done here between Harbaugh and Lamar, and I'm not saying one is at fault or the other, but I just don't know how, after some of the things that have gone on, little things, but little things add up, can they come back from this and have this like unbelievable long-term successful relationship? And if it's not going to be good, frankly, I don't want to watch it there. I'd rather him go somewhere and be happy and play like the yeah. Lamar that we love. I want to franchise him. He can choose not to play on the Of course. I want to make a correction because the timeline's been murky, and I'm going to correct you a little bit just so we know. All right. So when they played at Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. he was on the sideline, arm around Huntley, the mm -hmm. whole deal. Week 17 was a home game. He was on the sidelines with the guys. Week 18, Cincinnati, a lot of us were like, he was there. He wasn't there in week uh, 18 either. Okay. So the, Appreciate that. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece, and I've gotten that wrong also. But everyone's trying to figure out, well, I saw him on the sidelines. I saw him on the sidelines, all this stuff. That was Pittsburgh. Um, that was at Pittsburgh. Now That to me means something changed. As well. Something changed. He was there in Pittsburgh, yes. arm around Huntley with the tablet, talking him through it. That was earlier in the season. Yeah. I don't know. The one thing I love about Lamar, and you alluded to it, he has said all the right things. He has represented himself in that organization extremely well since the moment they drafted him. I do not want to hear any Lamar bad teammate, selfish. Mm -hmm. I'm, you didn't say that. But just in general, he has done everything the right way and performed on top of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's good. The season, Peter Schreger, go there check you go. it out. It's a good Chris conversation. Long. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's time for a segment I'd love to avoid because I despise math. It's called Long Division. Nice. The stage is set for the divisional round, and today we'll be focusing on the four teams left in the NFC. Each of us will focus on one aspect of the game, give the player or coach we think will have the biggest impact this weekend, and then crunch some numbers on why. Uh, something about math. Sean, you start. I love math. Yeah, a, a, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. I think that's calculus right there. A little algebra maybe? Sure, um, sure, all right, man. listen. Long Division here. NFC West, let's go with the 49ers, Debo Samuel. Okay. I, I think he's going to have a huge game. You look back at what he did last week, uh, 165 all-purpose yards. Debo Samuel can do it all. And look, there you see, I think that, is that the Pythagorean theorem over there? Yes, sure. it is. Debo Samuel, all these crossing routes. And I think when you look at this Cowboys defense, this is going to be big. But don't be don't be shocked to see him line up at running back. He did it last year against them. He killed he them last year. He gets 110 yards in the divisional round, knocked them out of it. And that was Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. But I also saw a couple of plays where Debo was lined up as running back. Christian McCaffrey is actually his lead blocker. Mm -hmm. So Debo Samuel, he's said to have a big game. Absolutely. That's a good one. Jay, who do you got in the There's long division your, in your mathematical equation? You guys can guess. I'm going on the defensive side of the ball. And I am talking about, yes, one Micah Parsons. 
He said when the playoffs come around, like I, you need to shine bright if you want to be a big-time player. And Micah Parsons did that Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had a sack, but he was all over the field. Tackles for losses. And to me, what was so impressive, which will loom large this week against San Francisco, as you see him running over Leonard Fournette, he was lined up at middle linebacker in that play. Dan Quinn did a great job of moving Micah Parsons all over the field, the right side of the field, the left side of the field, and then drawing up defenses around him to allow him to get pressure on the quarterback so Micah Parsons will play a huge role when the Dallas Cowboys take on the 49ers. Like All right, Peter, strap on your coaching helmet and okay. do some long division on a coach that you think will have the biggest impact. Hey, you know who won 14 games and all he hears about is the other guy across the sidelines? Mm. I think Nick Sirianni is going to have a huge day on Oh! Everyone raves about Dayball and what he's done in the Giants, but Nick Sirianni won 14 games with a team that did not win in the playoffs last year. And I think Sirianni's been sitting back, and he's been waiting, and he's been watching. He had a great quote this week. They asked him, I think Howard Eskin asked it. I'm like, where'd you watch a Giants game? He said, we had a giant stuffed crust pizza, and the coaching staff watched the entire game in my <laughs> office. That Sunday afternoon, that's where we watched it. And while he's eating that stuffed crust pizza, I promise you, Nick is not only drawing up an offensive scheme that is going to give Wink Martindale fits, he's also working on the motivational tactics that it's going to take to get his team ready to go and play the best game possible at 8.30 at night on Saturday. I think Sirianni, in a world of Dable, this guy had a pretty darn good mm -hmm. year, too, and I think he's ready to show the world. Mm. All right, I'll good. wrap it up with uh, the limit that does not exist. It's the special themes in this wildcard category. It can range anywhere from fan bases to personality traits, and that's where I'm going to go. I like annoyed Josh Allen. I like happy Trevor Lawrence. And I kind of like cocky Daniel Jones. Like, oh, yeah. who is this version of Daniel Jones that we have been gifted so far? And this is coming from a Vikings fan. It was really fun to watch him last week. My God, Daniel Jones. 300-plus passing yards in Minnesota. Goes into their house in a wild card weekend and acts like he's playing at home. They trade away young Joker to Kansas City in the middle of the season. He pays no attention to that. He's making guys better, making guys like Isaiah Hodgins look unbelievable in this second half of the season. We had a conversation that will always stick out to me in September about what Daniel Jones has to do to get a great contract. And I was like, well, if they if they make the playoffs, it has to be on his shoulders. It has to be because of him. Yes, and yes, they're winning in the playoffs because of Daniel Jones. It's not defense is great. Saquon Barkley is great. But this guy has taken on this aura, this special theme, if you will, in the postseason that I think if we see that again, Ooh, you think it's going to be rough and rowdy in Philadelphia this weekend. Just wait if you get cocky Daniel Jones walking off the bus. <laughs> He's got the right demeanor, too. You, you play with Eli for years. Like, you get the feeling that this guy is not phased by a rowdy Philadelphia crowd. Mm -hmm. you get, I know they've never won in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and I know there's all those stories, but does he not have, Sean, that Eli-esque kind of approach to the big games? Yeah, he does. He's, I, I call him Eli 2.0. It's like when you upgrade your phone, it's the same phone and everything. It just It's a little bit faster, a little more speed. Mm. But look, the, the Minnesota was louder. Minnesota was louder last week than Philly's going to be. As, as raucous as it's going to be and crazy as it's going to be, Ooh. the crowd noise in Minnesota in a dome, absolutely. The silent count, they were working that all week, but I'm glad that... I like the new nickname. Now I know what the C stands for. That's gutsy. You may have just teed off Philadelphia in a way that they have never heard before. You just said it was always a lot of Minnesota. Yeah, it's a dome. What? It's, I mean, just, it's it simple is. math. I agree. It's not it's long indoors. division here. We're talking about a, uh, so, something with a roof on it. So what are, what are the loudest stadiums in the NFL that they always talk about? Oh, the decibels Arrow. and all that crap. I'm talking about the dome. Arrowhead and then Seattle. I know, right? I don't know. I'm not getting into this. Minnesota. New Orleans, Minnesota. Those places go rocking. Those decibels. 
Super Bowl. No one talks about those stadiums as all these loud places to go for. That is the first time I've ever heard that about. When you watch the film in Minnesota games on third down, even in the old Metrodome, the 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 camera used to shake because the crowd was so loud. That's a challenge. Never seen that. Never seen that in any other stadium other than in Minnesota. The link. Someone's going to have up. the shakes after this Giants, game. Giants fans. Giants fans. Right? Right. The link, I know. God. All right, <laughs> we got more Good Morning Football after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.